Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, who doesn't love really well-designed photography clothing? Check out clickgearclothing.com, a lifestyle for urban photographers. All Angry Millennial listeners can use coupon code ANGRYPHOTO to receive 20% off any order. And the first three people who sign up for our newsletter after the show will get a free $25 gift card. Now, guys, be sure to also check them out on Instagram at ClickGearClothingLTD. Hey, guys. So hope you enjoyed part one of Chase Jarvis's two-part interview. It, uh, it's been great, you know, listening through again and hearing all the gems that he throws out there and, you know, the, the topics we got into uh, and got to talk about, you know, last week and, uh, you know, even this week. And for this week's episode, I mean, we chat about all, all kinds of things, you know, but the biggest ones is probably how I won the contest to first meet Chase over two years ago. Uh, you know, us taking the plunge to go to Photo Plus after the launch of, of this podcast, which, you know, put us back in touch with, uh, with Chase. Um, you know, we talk about deciding when to take on a team for your photography business, which is one of the hugest things that a lot of people uh, associate with Chase is that he's always had a amazing team of people behind him. Um, you know, we even talk about get personal and talk about the stigma behind, you know, not having kids and his experience being uh, one of the people in uh, humans of New York. Um, you know, we also talk about how meditation has helped him balance his huge workload last, you know, five years and what it's like, He's been on a plane every 2.5 days for the last three years. So as you can imagine, that guy needs some some Wusa meditation. So, um, you know, this is the second part. I hope you guys enjoy it. It's been, you know, amazing, uh, you know, getting to sit with him and uh, have, you know, sharing this all with you guys who most likely find him just as inspiring and uh, motivating as, as I do and a lot of other people do. So check it out. Be sure to rate be sure to review, and of course, be sure to subscribe uh, both to the podcast on iTunes and to our newsletter so that you can get uh, really cool stuff delivered to your inbox. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you're, I mean, when you think about it, you're, uh, you know, when we first met, we, we talked a lot about, you know, education and our experiences and stuff like that. And, and it was funny. That's how I won that contest. Yeah. You know, you sit there and say, why, why should you be here? And it was so funny. So they, they ran a contest, I'm sure like you know that Chase does on his blog all the time, where people say, okay, enter through a comment. But let's be honest, within five minutes, there's comments coming from all over the globe. There's like 300. I never bothered. Yeah. And at the time, my girlfriend Jessica was saying, you know, you should, you should do it. And I'm like, mm, I'm good. And I was like, you know, I got, it's fine. You know, whatever. I never do that stuff. And she's like, just, just do it on your lunch break, whatever. Just, you know, write up, write up, whatever. I said, all right, fine. So I wrote about how, and it's something that, you know, when, when people talk about, like you mentioned the angry millennial, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people think, oh, well, I'm not a millennial. 
And it's funny because out of like maybe 60 people who we've approached about it, that was one thing that they mentioned. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Actually, You're... <laughs> yeah, that's just me. So everyone we talked to, we actually, in the first 15 people, there's only one actual millennial. So, but again, I can, I get it, you know, but I tell them, I mean, when we talk about the things that I went through in the beginning, I actually never knew I was a millennial. I didn't really think I really connected with them, whatever. I thought I was older because I'm on the cusp. And then when I started thinking about it, I was like, well, hold on a second. I did exactly what I was told. I was, I was not a great student in high school. But then when people told you, well, you have to take fucking college seriously. So do good, get into a good school. And for me, my father was, um, you know, uh, a military guy and he, he was supposed to go to West Point. And that time in Puerto Rico, he only picked one person off the whole island. Yeah. So it was big. And he was actually that guy. Wow. But the second guy got picked because his dad was a mayor of Puerto Rico. We won't get into that story. Wow. But um, so my cousins, when I when I was growing up, went to West Point. So my dad was like, listen, we can afford to send you to college. But if you really bust your ass and get into West Point and you finish and you graduate, I'll give you the money. I save that for college. You do whatever you want with. I quickly realized that wasn't going to happen because <laughs> to get into those schools, you have to be like a, let's see, you have a to be freak. a captain on three or more varsity sports. You have to do all these extracurriculars and have a 3.8 or three, you know, 4.0 GPA. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. So I just kind of gave up on college and not in a bad way. I just was like, I'll do it when I do it. I applied to three schools. That was it. I got into two and I pretty much was just like, where do I want to go? Northeastern and live in Boston or go to Drexel and live in Philadelphia? And I said, you know, let's go to Drexel, whatever. So um, fast forward, I ended up doing really well and I graduated with honors. And I graduated around 2006. So I knew the, the job market was shit. Yeah. So I'm sitting there going, what do I do? You know, I went to my dad and he said, well, you know, you could, you can get your MBA, you know, because I was like, huh, okay. Because in my head, a master's meant you were teaching something. You know, I'm yeah. like, unless it's like English or something, what, what do you get a postgraduate degree in? Do you wear one of those robes all the time <laughs> when you have a master's or the hat? Like, do you have the locks yeah. like in courts in, yeah. in, in France? Like, yeah. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, okay. So he says, well, get an MBA to round you out. So I did it. I went to my first job was at a photo studio out of college. And I did that during grad school. I worked full time, went to school full time and worked at a club on the weekends. It was a blur for two years. And then I graduated and then it was 2008, which if you remember, wasn't a much better time yeah. looking for a job. Yeah, so I'm just like, okay, I'm fucked, yeah. you know? And luckily I had photography and I started channeling all my energy into that. But it was, yeah, to think I'm 32 and my real world uh, job life experience spans four years, you know? Right. It's like, what, what is going on there? You know, there's a the big disconnect. Um, and when we, I, t I told that story in a much very shorter version, condensed version in, in, a, in a blog comment and chase, I found out at 11 o'clock at a bar in a bathroom, cleaning out this gnarly wound on my shin from, from, a drunken uh, fall. No, it was, uh, <laughs> it was actually city kickball league. Ooh. I played in the Philly sports network kickball league. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, and my buddy's like, dude, you won that contest. I'm like, <laughs> bullshit. No. Let me go to the bathroom right, and think about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, no. He sent me a screenshot and he's like, dude, you fucking won. You got to tell him like now. Like he's going to give it up to someone else. I'm like, oh, I God. think I think it was like I'll give 12 hours for someone mm -hmm. to claim the prize or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was the next day, wasn't it? Yeah. I flew out. That was 11 o'clock at night. I was I had no sleep. And on 5 o'clock in the morning, I was on a flight to San Francisco. 
That's awesome. You know? Yeah. But and, here's here's another takeaway. Mm-hmm. You fucking did it. <laughs> you did it. And that's literally why we're here right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it, people ask me that. What was it like? And I say the the coolest thing was that you Chase, can imagine. Chase's mom. <laughs> yeah. Chase's mom was amazing. But like, you know, people like you, like Gary Vee and other people, you're who you are because you go a million miles an hour. Right. So to say that during this huge launch, you still sat with me for like 20 minutes, just one on one and just just bullshitted. I remember. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. You know, I remember. And uh, and we talked about stuff. And then when we saw each other again in New York, it was yep. the same thing. I launched this. I went to Photo Plus. I'd never been to one of those kind of expos before. And I went to this after party and I was supposed to leave because I had to get the last train out. And my buddy is telling me not to leave. And I say, no, 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 I got to go. It's fine. I had a great day today. We recorded the second, the second and third episode that morning at the expo. And he goes, no, 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 you're going to stay. And I'm like, dude, I, you don't understand. Like, I got to fucking leave. Like, I, my train's leaving in 20 minutes. And he's like, dude, you're not fucking leaving. And I go, look, now I'm getting pissed. I go, if you want to you want to fucking give me $100 for the cab ride home, then, then I got to go, right? He goes in his wallet, takes out a $100 bill, hands it to me, and goes, now that we've had that conversation, you can enjoy the rest of the party. And I was blown away, you know? Amazing. And the funny thing is, yeah. community, this yep. is a guy I knew for eight years. Never met him. I met him that morning. I knew him since like Flickr. Yep. You know, all this stuff. Never met the guy. That's so dope. Yeah. And and I was, and not even 20 minutes later, Chase walks in. And I was like, oh, I get it. Yep. The world, <laughs> the universe delivers. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And that's actually, I think that's actually a really interesting take, Ray, is that you have to put yourself out there. You have to, when given the chance to not go or go, you go. Mm-hmm. When um, you're not sure, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here with NASA, who is, uh, really critical to my ability to share a lot of the stuff that I do. Mm-hmm. And she's been, you know, I put my head down for the last year prior to the new Chase Jarvis Raw and I've been working really hard at Creative Live to pull my head back up again. And um, 250 people applied for this job from all over the world and she won the job. She's the most qualified person. She's a certified badass. And like, and I know what it takes to look at that. And, you know, I'm writing this blog post for this job and it's like, you, it's sort of like, um, what was that? There's that famous captain, the ship captain who, uh, oh, I wish I had, it. He, he sailed from New Zealand to uh, Antarctica and, and this, he wrote this supposedly rumored to write this, um, this job description in the New York Times, like long journey, freezing cold, low chance of survival, if we reach our destination, like um, celebration will ensue or something like that. And he had like 5,000 people apply for this. Like you're going to wow. die, but yeah. if you make it through, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And I basically wrote that job description <laughs> and, and you know, and it resonated uh, around the old internets. And, but my point is that she decided to go in the same right. way that you decided to enter the contest, which put you at Creative Live, which is literally why we're sitting here today. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, my hope is the folks listening home that that's the takeaway is that if you get one little spark of inspiration from our conversation today, that it's there is something in your head right now that you're saying, should I do this or should I not do this? And the answer is you should do this. Right. And that thing, you know, NASA left a very successful career coding and and a big, great company to sort of go all in and make adventure films and then ended up here. And your story is the same. Like you, you, you know, you were on one path and you said, fuck it, I'm going to go over here. 
and you're scratching your own itch, you're following your sort of dreams, and that's where the magic happens, outside of your comfort zone. Right, yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, so kind of attention to that, you know, you're you're talking about um, NASA and, and people have been following you for years and have always kind of, at least for me, like you said on video, you've always had like a crack crew of talented people. Yep. Um, tell us a bit about like when you start out and, what, and that transition to then start bringing on people. Because like you know and you've talked a lot about people always think, oh, well, you know, when is that tipping point? When you sit there and say, I'm going to bring on someone from a, let's just say a part-timer or like sure. a Pam per gig to a full-time person who can help me really be as productive as possible. It's it's not an easy decision sure, to make. Sure. Huge, huge step. I think most people try and do it too early. Mm-hmm. I think you can do a huge amount of work as a solo, you know, flying solo over the small team of, um, you know, a bunch of other solo flyers who are all in support of one another. Like, you know, you're a lead shooter one day and then you're holding somebody else's audio boom the next. Like, I, I think that's a really spirited way that people can come up in the community. Um, I think because of all the videos online, people want to have a crew. And, um, you know, literally it's it's that it's that sort of laughable. And But what you're really doing is employing somebody and that nudges them, but, you know, in large part, their family, mm-hmm. their, their future. And so it's a huge step. I absolutely advocate... Um, iterating. And so, you know, volunteer as a small group, get a little collective going on and help one another and then hire part-time when you get a gig and you have an extra budget, then you can hire an assistant and then um, have that assistant be part-time hourly. And then like, it's very much a process. Right. Build building blocks. For sure. Little building blocks, atomic unit building blocks. And when you, um, when it's, when you have so much work that you're drowning, that's when you sort of decide to spend the money because staying lean is a huge way of being successful because you know, you, you can, you know what you're capable of, you know what you can live without Mm -hmm. and you start introducing other variables into that and it gets a lot more complicated very, very quickly. So how long I would just challenge people to like, how long can you survive without hiring somebody? Right. And again, I was, I knew that I wanted to do this more than anything and I was willing to take, I just continued to invest in my future, invest in my future. I would take all the profits. I was running a very profitable photography business and and basically investing that instead of, you know, buying shit, I was putting that back into people. Yeah. And investing in people and finding raw material and helping shape those folks into hopefully, you know, a, a, a very a better version of themselves with the skills that I could deliver based on exposure to cool shit. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think the future of employment is very different than it used to be. There's no, like, you're going to be here for 50 years, get the gold watch and retire, um, that you're going to come and do multiple tours of duty, you know, ideally like you you do two to five years or two to four years and you do that a couple of times. You come in, you establish this particular project, you beachhead for, you know, be a creative live or some other thing. And then if you can stick around for a couple tours of duty, you know, again, from two to five years each, that's awesome. And then what the company's doing and what I feel like I've done for my team to date is prepare them for their next challenge. Yeah. And, you know, a long list of employees who are all very successfully out in the creative world on their own because of what they learned in, you know, as a, as a part of being a part of my crew. So right. it's how long can you delay hiring someone? That should be the question yeah, as opposed yeah, yeah. to the other way around because I think people want to do it because it's sexy and they saw it in some bullshit internet video. <laughs> Maybe well, that I, I put out and that's, right. that's sort of that fake thing. But I was also, 
I was interested in investing and I was, I, I have a very high risk tolerance mm-hmm. and, um, I'm, you know, I was comfortable at home at my wife at the time had a job and, uh, you know, I was like all in. So right. it, it, I don't recommend that mentality, but as, a, as opposed, you know, come from, come from the other side, how long can I be solo? And when it's only when it's so painful, can I hire somebody? Right. I think when you, I think you can appreciate the, the, I, the thinking behind it for sure. Um, because to me, I've always done lean things and, and I've never had anyone full-time ever, but in my head it was the same thing. It was like, I'm not busy enough. I can't justify it. I'm fine. Yeah. But for a lot of people, I think what they look at it is, is they could listen to that and go, okay, got it. When I'm so busy and I probably could still do it on my own, I'm going to invest in myself. I'm going to take the risk sure. and I'm going to bring somebody on because that's going to help me get to the next level. There, There is a part of that. And let me, let me address it. I think it's a fair point. So, if you're, let's say you're taking home five grand a month and you're busy as shit mm-hmm. and you look at your bills and your bills add up to 2,500, mm-hmm. you might think that I need, you know, I need an extra 500 in spending money on top of that because I'm in the survival, grow my, my brand, my personal business, my whatever. And I'm going to take that, you know, 2,500 bucks or whatever and invest that in a person. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. I think that's a smart investment. Right. Because you are investing in scale and you do have something to offer in addition to just the money of cultivating someone who's interested in working for you. Um, And yeah, I'm all about that. I think that's an investment. But you notice my what what you're putting in your bank account was whacked in half. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like you said, I mean, it's it's it is taking a big risk, but it's if you can mitigate that risk in any way, definitely do it. Be smart about it. And that's, you know. That's kind of sure, and be upfront with the risk with the with the person that you're bringing on. Like, here's the goal. You know, it's like right. full transparency. Like, we're trying to do something amazing here, and I'll give you all of my spending money. And we're, you know, it, it might have my name on the door, but we're in this together. It's right. going to get, it's going to be awesome, and it's going to get ugly. And like, yeah. that's what you need to be signing up for, right? Yeah, being as transparent as possible. You know, uh, and and totally for sure. I mean, it's two things. So from that. People get like a rare peek into your very private personal life. Um, for you know, a lot of people, you know, you you are a very private person, and and understandably so. Um, so, what's you know your family and home life dynamic kind of like? I mean, you, don't, you say you don't have any kids. Did you ever want any? And I always think about another point is what's with the social stigma of like needing to procreate? For sure, because I'm sure you get it all the time. People go. Well, Jay, you're talking about the future. You're talking about education. You're talking about our children. Why don't you have any? And then you're going, <laughs> if I said no, would that make me a completely horrible person? And a lot of people go through that, yeah. you know? And, and and they say, like, if you feel like at a certain point in your life, you pass that moment and you think that window's gone, sure. you sit there and go, I'm okay with it. And then some people just want to demonize you and just oh, go. So there's a funny backstory on that. So, yeah. um, I don't know if you know the name Brandon Stanton. So Brandon uh, runs a blog called The Humans in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so okay. Humans in New York. Uh, I'm just horrible at names. It's it's literally, I think, the most successful page on Facebook. Mm. Highest number, highest engagement page on Facebook, I believe. Yeah. And he started it from the ground up. And basically he goes around taking pictures and getting and recording stories like in a written format. So he like types out their stories and shows a picture. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I think average post gets hundreds of thousands of likes wow. and, and, you know, 50, a hundred thousand shares is not uncommon. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know how many, the, the, it's just a 
the in- engagement is off the charts. It's just so relatable, beautiful, whatever. So um, Brandon and I, Brandon and I, be- I became friends and um, because he was doing this awesome project. He was actually on Chase Jarvis Live at some point. Oh, yeah. uh, in yeah, advance yeah. of Chase Jarvis Live, I, I was in New York and we just got together and we were on the street. And I was like, hey, I want to like, I want to see, like watch you work. Yeah. Well, let's, yeah. let's like go hang out and get a bite to eat. Then, and so I watched him and we're walking down the street and he turns the camera on me. <laughs> And he's like, you're a human and you're in New York. And, and so he just, he is, talk about interview skills. He yeah. is literally the best I've ever seen at getting in three questions. He can get to your deepest secrets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he pulled that ninja shit on me. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and he's like, back up. And he took my picture up against this graffiti wall. And the question that he got to really quickly is, why well, don't I have kids? Mm. And at that time, and this is a number of years ago, uh, I basically, I, I told the truth, which is, you know, my wife and I had this sort of agreement that we were, we were not anti-kids, but mm-hmm. that I we both weren't feeling it. And our, our, our default is you don't have kids as a default. You have to actively decide that we want to bring a human into this world and right. that we're going to invest in that human disproportionately to all the other things in our lives such that we can raise an amazing person. And we said, okay, well, we're not feeling I'm not feeling it. you feeling it? She's like, I'm not feeling it. How about we have an agreement that if you're ever feeling it, you sort of put your hand up and, and we'll have a know, conversation. Yeah. And we'll have a conversation just like I'd be in. Like if mm-hmm. you're in, like I, I, I would never want to deny you that thing mm-hmm. that is very, very rare in this world. Mm-hmm. And she said the same of me. And we got to a point and I'm like, I'm, she's like, Are you, I'm still not feeling you feeling? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not feeling it either. We're like, okay, cool. Peace. Yeah. High five. Hugged it out. Yeah. And so I told that story. And you know, the reality is that a lot of my friends have kids and mm-hmm. like, oh man, you're so, you're so awesome. You know, you don't have, you, you can stay out late. And, and I'm like, hey, yeah, but I'm also, there's a huge chunk of the love or the, of like, to, I mean, I, we have pets. I love pets. Like I love cats and dogs. I don't discriminate. It's awesome. I could stay home and like hang out with my cat Dexter all day. And I can't imagine if there's a human, I would never leave. Yeah. So, you know, I, um, without going down the rabbit hole, in short, Brandon put, Brandon put that story up. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I think it was one of his top two or three most wow most um, uh, confrontational oh. or posts. It was like was people like were hating on me, calling yeah. me a terrible human, and it was it was yeah, it was one of his highest engaged posts. He's still you know he's stratospherically beyond that right. now, but um, it was a very controversial post. Yeah. Um, and I, apparently, it's a big hot button. Um, so that's why we don't have kids. We just we thought it was your default stance needed to be, we right. really want that. And right. we were honest with ourselves. Um, you know, I think I was also put on this work on this world to do some different work than maybe that. Um, and, you know, to back up a little bit, even further to my, you know, you, you got to this question by saying that I, I lead a rather private life, which is, um, I, I never, I do think of myself as I, I try and guard that privacy a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, of course. And, um, and it came out of just un. This is it's. I feel vulnerable talking about this because it's a it's a little bit weird. But when you start getting recognized on the street every day, um, it 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 there's something that clicks in me. It's like holy shit, this is real. And you know, I I remember many times uh, a few years ago sitting down at dinner with my wife talking about really sensitive stuff like you know family stuff and um, just you know heartfelt meaningful shit. And you have this like long conversation. And then you get up and the person next to you is like, hey, Chase, I just wanted to know if we could have a selfie. I'm a huge fan. And you're like, holy shit. This, you know, this fan who's sitting two feet away from me 
Right. Just listen to my wife and I talk about, you know, all kinds of family stuff or just really heavy yeah. shit. Yeah. And it's like, it's everywhere yeah. and you never know. And so that, that did create a sense of, um, of responsibility on my part of like, okay, cool. I think I need to, I need to, um, decide actively right. how I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. And when I see people on the street to this day, I'm happy to take a, a picture with them. Right. And, and I actually, you know, on the flip side of this, I take great joy in having a community that's global and you know, walking down the street in Germany. And someone's like, oh my God, this is Chase Jarvis. <laughs> it's, you know, I love that. Right. Um, and I have receded a little bit, especially when I shifted over to to sort of taking over the helm of Creative Live and mm-hmm. got very, very focused for the last year. And I do sort of just, you know, let this be just full transparency. Like I'm able to move back into my my natural mode as being very public and personal mm-hmm. and out there. And I, I, this is an example of me yeah. sort of being there. And so I I will intend to share more of that. I think I'm through that phase, but just the daily recognition on the street, whether you're in New York or LA or whatever, it it was weird. I can't even process what it would be like to be someone who's actually famous. Well, I mean, look at like, I was going to say Dave Chappelle. Yeah. The, I, dude, the dude went fucking crazy because he'd be sitting there with his kids yeah. walking around and just because of a funny skit he did on a show he had, people would run up to him and be like, hey, fuck your couch. And everyone's yeah. like, dude, whoa, my kids are here. Dude, I, I like, sat on the plane. I was a 6 a.m. flight from... New York to Chicago. Yeah. And I sat next to Anderson Cooper. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, I was seat. Uh, we're aisles across from each other. I was in 1B. He was in 1C. Six in the morning. Yeah. So you're actually, you're on this plane. It's like five and change. Yeah. And he's there with his you know baseball hat on. And of the 200 people that got on that plane, at least 150 of them recognized Anderson. And at least 100 of them literally physically touched him. Like, <laughs> hey, dude, pat him on the shoulder. <laughs> Because he's sitting and he's right there, like, oh, right. cool, I love your show. Right. And like, I, I just, to yeah. me, and I'm looking at the guy, and, you know, we talked a, a, a bit about it, and he's just like, I don't know how to handle that. Yeah. And um, I think you put yourself out there, you're sort of inviting. So I don't want to be the person that's like, oh, I don't want that. Right. No, I actually want to be an inspirational character. Right. When I see, when people see me on the street, I want them to say hello. Right. And I just literally was on a plane on the way here to Seattle, and someone said, I just walked by you know i see it on twitter like just walk by chase and he was sitting in 3a and i'm in 27b chase if you get this come back and say hi and you know i didn't see it till i got curbside and he right. came and tracked me down oh wow and said hey you know i was like oh man sorry i missed you i'm catching my uber and you know he runs up and i at this point when i can lean into that and be proactive with my mm-hmm. private life and just sort of invite that in right. i'm all about it so yeah. that's that's the next chapter i've learned a lot about it um it's it's awkward for me to talk about it because mm-hmm. unless you've been there even at this very, very small scale, you sort of, um, it's hard to identify with. Yeah. I appreciate you asking the question because I have been intentionally that much, uh, a little quiet, but. No, but like you said, I mean, to a point that's, that's, that's your right. Well, uh, you, you hey man, I have like, a cool cat named Dexter. He's really old. At some point he's going to pass and I'm going to have to shed a tear on the internet. Um, like I'll, I'll tell people what they want to know. I'm not right. intentionally sort of hiding, but just walking that you know, how much of your laundry do you share? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, like, I, I can't remember what movie it was, but there was one scene where it's Ray Romano playing himself and Eminem. And they're sitting in a restaurant and Eminem's like, what's up, Ray? And he like walks up and sits at their table. And I forget who the other person across from him was. But he's like, you know, mortified. 
And he's like, oh my God, it's Eminem. And he goes, yeah, he goes, dude, fame is bullshit. Celebrity's bullshit. You know what sucks? I can't go to Target anymore. I can't go outside. I can't, I, I, I fucking love Target. Yeah. I, I can't go in there. Yeah. I can't. You know That's what I, mean? what I meant about people who are actually famous. <laughs> like instead of internet, like right. photo industry famous right. or whatever, it's, uh, I could not fathom yeah. like, to be able to, Macklemore is a, uh, a friend and I watched him go from like literally living in his parents' basement mm-hmm. to 15 X platinum right. in, in 36 months. Yeah. And just, you know, I, I, my wife and I sat next to him and his wife at, uh, at on Valentine's day at dinner at this restaurant in Seattle. And it was like, just randomly, Hey dude, what's up? Good to see you. And you know, he was just like, just, you could tell. Yeah. Was just, oh yeah. You know, like, I can imagine. Just so overwhelmed with that celebrity and then variety ended up doing a really interesting piece around it but oh uh, to check it out yeah yeah, yeah. i mean and it, it, it's you know it's crazy to think about but that's kind of what we the culture we live in yeah you know what i mean where you sit there and say if i saw him i might i might respect his privacy to a point but then i'm sitting there going oh, come on you're like you know when's the next time they're gonna walk into that guy <laughs> you gotta say something i mean it was funny it was a lot like uh when when i was in new york we were talking and I saw him walk in. I literally had to give myself a pep talk for 30 minutes before going inside the studio. <laughs> Most of it was mob of people and I hate being bumped into sure. a lot and whatever. So I said, okay, I'm going to see him. Then I started talking to Kenna uh-huh. and I'm like, okay, this is a good icebreaker. I'm going to talk to Kenna. Okay, I'm feeling good. Let me go try and talk to Chase. But as you can imagine, when he walked into this place, you know, he, he was mobbed the second he walked in and there's people with like cameras in his face and literally taking like video, like getting his face, asking for like an interview in a sense. Uh, and I'm sitting there going, oh man, I got to wait. I got to wait a little bit and let him have a minute to just relax. But then, you know, you sit there and say, well, you know, just go up and respectfully ask yeah, for whatever, again, you know, I and, and really, whatever you get. What I don't, I, if anyone's listening to this, I, what I want the takeaway to be is like, I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself out there so that I can learn from you and connect with you and, and you being the community. Like there's a, there's a back and forth that I'm really, really genuinely excited, genuinely excited about. And there is some stuff that you know, don't you have to deal with it. I'll deal with, with, you know, being public, but it'd be really, really awesome to meet you, whoever you are on the street, whoever's listening yeah, to this, yeah. please do come say hi. And it, those parties sort of, especially after midnight, yeah. they get awkward. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It was, it was a lot of that. And it's funny, like I appreciate you. when we, when we talked with uh, Jeremy Cowart, we asked him that, what's it like to be a rock star at these expos? But he goes, the funny thing is when I go home to Nashville, no one knows who the fuck I am. He goes, I just go to the grocery store, go wherever. No one recognizes me. No one bothers me. But then you go to these things and you travel the country and the world. And in that space, you're like yeah. the Rolling Stones, you know? Mm-hmm. So then you walk around just getting mobbed. He's like, it's it's kind of weird, you know? Yeah, let's put it in perspective. Like, we're taking pictures for a living. We're not, you know, cancer surgeons. Right. We're not really. <laughs> I like to think we're, we're doing our little bit to make a dent. Um, right. Uh, that's the way I prefer to think about it. All so. right. So it's a good transition. So Ramit, <laughs> Ramit, who's a good friend of yours as well, yeah, talks a lot awesome. about the imposter and special snowflake syndrome that people deal with. Um, you know, I guess when was the last time you felt those sickening feelings? Uh, last night, 2 a.m. Thank you. Because that's exactly what I was going to think would be people would say, oh, but it's Chase Jarvis. I'm like, I don't think you ever get to a point where that fear ever goes away. No, no. In fact, I think it grows. And, uh, so Stuart Butterfield is a guy who's the founder of Slack. And if you're not in the sort of tech world, Slack yeah. is basically the, like the hottest company of the year. Yeah. Company of the year, company. you know, went from zero. They were literally have, they had no money and they were, they were like breaking down furniture and they decided to ship a product. They were trying to make a game, a really engaging 3d game. 
and it failed. And they said, well, the only thing that we actually made was the, this cool tool for our team to be able to communicate. And it was called, you know, they nicknamed it Slack because uh, it allowed you to like to have some time because it, it created a little space for you. I mm-hmm. think that was, and anyway, so it's now a, whatever, 18 months later, it's a two and a half billion dollar company. And I just heard a great, you know, Stuart, I can't say he's a friend, um, but uh, I've met him several times and we've talked about this sort of thing. And, and what he said in this most recent interview was, hey, look, I'm more scared shitless now than ever before. It's a, it's, it's the same amount of fear or greater mm-hmm. just pointed at different things. Because yeah. now it's like you have the company of the year, you're worth billions of dollars. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> and before it's yeah. like nobody knows nobody me gave a I, shit. I can't yeah. figure this out it's too hard fail in a i'm tiny fucking dark this up room. yeah you would fail in a tiny dark room and no one would register. right you fail in your parents basement and no one knows <laughs> and so the it just it, it it you know again that's a thing sort of i'm trying to get people to acknowledge that fear to be transparent about that fear say it's real try and get people to not listen to that 3am voice because a lot of people especially a lot of type a hard charging people like myself or like others that you there's some belief that the part of you the sort of insanely hardworking aggressive person who's not who won't accept no for an answer and failure is not an option like that's somehow how you got to where you are mm-hmm. that fear is actually not the fear is an anchor you think that that voice inside your head that's getting you up at four in the morning to go write that shit down is what got you there so you don't want to lose that edge that's actually an anchor that fear is not there to help you those are the gremlins you know, we're going to do a Chase Jarvis Raw about this. Nas and I were just talking about it the other day. And that's, we need to find a way to quiet that. You know, that's mm-hmm. how I've turned to meditation and to a lot of internal that's sort of. The next question was yeah, that. And, and turned to a lot of things to help sort of quiet those voices. And the, the true north inside of me mm-hmm. that I can listen to, I can listen to that without listening to the fucking gremlins. Right. They're there and I have active tools to combat them. So never goes away getting much better at channeling them and, and dealing with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny. Like I, we've talked with one actor. I don't know if you watched the show, the Nick on, the, on Cinemax. I don't, but we talked about it before the show. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I remember so that. So we talked with him and one of the things that, you know, uh, fascinating about, about actors is like you said, you can sit there and say, okay, say you win an Oscar. You're at the pinnacle of what you would, anyone would perceive as your career. And you're going crazy and you have the after party and then, you know, you're, you're sitting there saying, I'm finally validated in, in your space and your craft. And I, I said, you know what? I want to sit down with an Oscar winning actor and ask them how many minutes, seconds, hours passed before after that fear set in. And then you said, holy shit, how do I follow this up? What's yeah. the next one going to be? Um, you know, and he mentioned it. He goes, you know, how many people have you seen who win an Oscar and then don't work for a couple of years? like yeah. not and not like not for lack of trying they just sure. don't you know yeah. what i mean and um and it's yeah it's it's, it's a scary thing yeah, yeah yeah so you talk about meditation that's something that's always fascinated me i've never attempted it being being perfectly honest but i love, I love listening like alan watts to give his you know uh different speeches and presentations and, and you know, engagements and stuff like that and i always thought he would just be looking you know looking on shaking his head if i tried but tell me about what you and you found it and who let's just say your biggest entrepreneur crush who's a fellow meditator because i think that's the common and i'm sure you appreciate it people who are type a go 100 miles an hour balance all these things i think the common thread among all of them is all meditate in one form or another because you need you need that to really kind of get through 
what you're doing. Yeah, it is sort of like uh, there's a coming out party of meditation. Meditation is, I think, uh, you know, whether or not like either trend or day in the sun or it's really hard not to think of it in those terms. But let's go back like thousands of years when meditation was really sort of a core part of a lot of cultures. And that like that's the way that I try and think about it, not in like um, what's trendy. Mm -hmm. And right. I first experienced sort of visualization early in my life as a in, in sports, actually. Uh, I went to college on a soccer scholarship and um, I had a family friend was a sports psychologist nice. and basically helped me focus and and visualize before some of my games and what I wanted my career in soccer to be like. And then when I went to, I went to a, a school that had, uh, was one of the, well, it, it lost in the national championship division one the year I went there. So it was San Francisco, or, uh, San Francisco, San Diego state, uh, the Aztecs. And so, um, I was on practicing on the Olympic development team, um, at the time. And so there was being in that, at that, that caliber, mm -hmm. these, these are resources that are in part provided for you. And it was very, um, it was very novel at that time to be thinking about these things in terms of sports, but right. It was coming into sort of uh, into being, and so I was experienced. I was exposed to that early. Then I found it to be very powerful. Yeah, such that like the number of goals that I visualized myself scoring as a senior in high school was exactly the number of goals that I actually That's scored. Crazy, yeah. And you know, you're visualizing these things six, nine, twelve months earlier, right? And you're kind of like, shit. I wish I would have visualized a higher number. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, so manifesting what you want to want, want in the world. It was early experience with sports. And then to fast forward to, I think, a more relevant part of your question, which is I tried meditation in a bunch of different forms. There's all kinds of different, right. you know, there's insight meditation, transcendental meditation. Blah, and I experimented with these and with not much luck, honestly. Mm -hmm. And then um, transcendental, uh, someone said, oh, if you, if, uh, and I was literally like asking actively, like this was a huge part of my youth experience mm -hmm. and what made me a great athlete that mental edge and god i'm looking for that sort of right. personally and professionally now and uh and sort of to quiet those gremlins and to give me some you know just quiet insight mm -hmm. and tm was recommended to me i started it and it was like literally the first time i said my mantra to myself in my brain after it was given to me from you know without the i don't really like the constructs of a guru but this person who trains you how to do this the first time i said that mantra to myself it fucking totally rocked my like just it yeah. like blew my head wide open yeah. it's like i think i found something that's interesting and yeah. i've just that was maybe four or five years ago now and it has been crucial to my survival it's been mm -hmm. crucial to me being able to um to manage as many things as i'm managing and to be able to sort of see around the corner talk mm -hmm. about those things like just sort of being with information and being with you know, quiet space in the world every right. day, 20 minutes in the morning and the evening. So right. um, I mean, yeah. it's been powerful. It's, uh, have you ever seen a movie for love of the game? No. Okay. So in that movie, Kevin Costner plays an aging pitcher who is at the top of his career, but he's getting to the end. And I thought one of the most interesting things in terms of athletes and, and meditation was that he, he would, he would stand on the mound and he'd be looking at his batter and you'd hear that, you, know, you can imagine the sound of the stadium, yeah. you know, and it's just deafening. And he just goes, clear the mechanism. And everything gets fuzzy except for him and the catcher and the batter. Yep. That's it. Quiet. 
And then he sits there and in his head, he's having a conversation with the batter. Hey, what's going on, man? Man, I miss having you around. You know, and then he goes on these like, you know, flashbacks of when <laughs> he was on the team. They played together and they were friends. And then the whole time you're going through uh, his life, looking back on his career, his relationships during this one game. And it turns out to be, I'm going to spoil it just because, you know, just because. Because uh, the movie's from 1987. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is that uh, he, he basically pitches a perfect game and that's his last game of his career. He writes on a baseball. He's he's, he's done. And uh, and but it's crazy because the entire time he's just going through the motions and seeing that. You know, I, I played sports not at that high of a level, but to know that that kind of thing is is necessary yeah. because you're sitting there saying you're juggling all the pressure, you're juggling all the the clutch part of you that has to say yep. to step up in this situation. It's very mentally very tough, um, and why a lot of athletes sometimes just kind of crumble. Yeah. And it's, you know, like you said, it's great that you can say early on you had that and that helped you. It wasn't easy, but it helped you now in your career where you're, you're juggling a thousand things. That's all that I think that's another takeaway. It's like you said it earlier that folks are, we're all just at different places along our sort of timeline Mm -hmm. and with different levels of experience. And the things that are the hardest things for you right now are the things that are going to help make you the person that you are. And help define your next chapter. Right. And, you know, it's very easy to talk about that. And it's very easy to see that when the seas are calm. But uh, that's just, it's a huge takeaway. And it's just true time and time again, not just for me, but for other people that I find inspirational in my life. And um, just, it's, I think it's a universal, like, you know, James Victoria is a, a powerful saying that I took, which yeah. is in, in the particular lies the universal. So your story is is very very as a human one and that you know again really it's just so many things we've talked about when you're looking on social media and, and when jeremy coward's looking at me flying on hel- helicopters like your highlight reel or someone else's highlight reel you're comparing that to your daily basis and so how, what can we do to calm that sort of stupid chatter and mm-hmm. you know jeremy and i are close friends now and we realize that's not true we're both looking at one another like he's got an awesome family i'm like yeah. man me and Kate and my cat Dexter and like I see you guys traveling to Africa together. Dexter never leaves Seattle, although he did move to Paris once with us. But that's but you know we, we just you know it's just we're all coming at things from a slightly different angle. Mm-hmm. But uh, all of these hardships and things that might be your biggest blocker right now are the things that are going to set you free or sort of be a catapult for you in the next chapter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh it's also one of those things where you sit there and say, talking about, you know, when you quote, make it, it's, uh, those are the times when you're sitting there going, I kind of miss that. You know, when you, when yeah. you, when you sit there and go like the, the, all the fear and the bootstrapping and the, um, you know, doubt and everything else was kind of the most exciting, uh, part. And maybe like you said, that fear while just as high as when you made it is just different. It's just different. Um, is kind of like sometimes the the best part of it, like they say. Not we're not the destination; it's the you know the, the journey getting there. You know, we should make a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so uh okay listen chase thank you i've had you here for quite a bit of time i only have a couple more questions and we're gonna do kind of like a lightning round lightning round lightning round so beep, um beep, yeah beep. so we're gonna go, <laughs> we're gonna go through a couple questions so if we can keep the responses to like about a minute sure all right so name your biggest breakthrough in the last five years meditation cool uh you've transitioned a few times in your career what do you see coming up next for you uh, being in service of others in the creative community, continuing to try and use the the platforms that I've created to unlock doors for others. 
Nice. He's used to this because I said I gave him a minute. He's keeping like ten seconds. All right. Because I want to. I want to. Again, I want to. I want to be standing here with no questions on your computer. Yeah. And saying, "Bring it on." All right. All right. Uh, time for a deep one. And this is a funny one, considering we asked this to to a lot of the photographers we have on, but especially for your your uh, history, this will be interesting. If you couldn't share your work with anyone, no one, but not even Kate, not no one, would you still shoot? Absolutely, because nice. it gives me a lot of uh, insights about you know we're drawn. I'm drawn to taking pictures of things, and I'm looking at what's on on my phone or my the back of my camera, and it tells me something about my state. Nice. You know, it's funny. It, it's uh, that question, and I keep it in every time, only because it's it's right. It's split right down the middle. People people either say no because I love the way that pictures, my work makes other people feel exactly, and you sit there and say, if I was doing it just for me, it's a very selfish thing, and it wouldn't feel genuine, and it would you know. Uh, but at the same time, I can see both ends of the spectrum sure. completely. But it's so funny how no matter what their stance is, their answer is immediate. Yeah, there. I, I feel like I believe in putting your own oxygen mask on before helping other passengers, and um, that's learned. Yeah. Like I'm, I, I FAA, thanks you. Yeah, I very much want to. Oh God, how many of those have I heard? I'm <laughs> I was just about wondering. To say, like, you're on a plane all the time. It just came to you. I think I, I, list, I did a funny set of math over the last. I just looked at three years because that's how far my United app went back, and I've been on a plane every two point five days for the last three years. Shut up. Yeah. That is a jarring the, statistic. The number, the number of segments per day, like over the number of days. You know? Right. So, yeah, I was, um, anyway, side note. But um, I think people being the best versions of themselves is one of the ways that we can help be the best humans in, in the world. Mm-hmm. The best, you know, the best, the most effective, whether that's a father or a, a husband or wife or peer or whatever, right. is to sort of, um, do the, do your part to take care of what's in here. And I've also found that uh, most of the best work that I've done has been from listening to my gut, mm-hmm. not from looking out there. Looking out there to find out um, uh, only like opportunity, but when I listen to the, the things that are inside, that's when the best work has been done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Um I read this. I'm reading this book right now called the uh, the. World. Are you out of questions? Is that why? You, are you delaying right now? No, no. I, I have. I have. <laughs> I'm one. just. I'm just playing. Sorry, yeah, I interrupt yeah. you. Go back, um, go back. I'm reading this book called The War of Art. Oh yeah, Stephen Pressfield. Yep, incredible. And uh, and one of the things, the quotes that I actually was very profound, and I took a picture of it, and I wanted to make it the background of my phone, was exactly what you said. Where the the best thing that another artist can do for another artist is to do like like you said concentrate on themselves and just be a symbol you know as as cliche as that sounds no. you know and then you sit there and think it's dramatic in a movie where it's like save yourself go <laughs> avenge me right but in reality i mean it kind of is because if you sit there and say for better or worse if you're doing this and 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 talking to people and everything else you know you sit there and say you know you hope that that's helping someone you know, whether it's a person starting out, whether it's a friend, whether it's someone you don't even fucking know. And it's funny when I was writing more, I was being very, and you, you, we've talked about it. I was being like overly open, like to the point where people, my editors at, at, at the site were kind of like, dude, you, yeah. this is some shit you're saying. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, you know what? That's, 
I, that was why I signed on to be here. It wasn't to do clickbait. It wasn't to do 500 word, you know, short form stuff. It was a really long form content. And, uh, and it was funny. There was a guy who re- reached out to me on Facebook, been friends with him for three years, couldn't tell you who the hell he was. And, uh, and he said, you know, we've never had an interaction. And he said, I just want to let you know, I've been reading all your stuff. I read your stuff on F-Stoppers. I read your stuff on your blog. And, uh, and I want to thank you because I've been going through a really tough period with my art and my photography and, and it, it really, it really did help. And I couldn't really, in the way you can imagine, I couldn't in a message convey like how much I wanted to thank him. For sure. You know, like, that's you why understand. I said, if I see you in the airport, like yeah. say hi to me because yeah. I get energy and, yeah. and value. And in the same way you were, you're reading that Facebook comment and knowing that there's someone else out there who's receiving the message. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's crazy to think Powerful. that I would sit there and say, well, I have over, you know, 10 years of shooting, um, have so many friends, you know, who uh, do photography and that kind of thing. And, and it's funny, it was maybe some of them might as a supportive thing say, Hey, look, you know, great stuff. But in reality, no one came forward and said that kind of shit to me. It was a complete stranger. Yep. And, you know, you, and I, I think I kind of laugh where I'm not sure I wonder or struggle where if I'm getting to the point where with this, if on my personal platform I'm getting to the point where people are sick of me talking about it, right, or who we're talking about, and that's fine. Like, for instance, we uh, we put out the $150 gift card that Kenna gave me at Photo Plus. I decided to give it away. Nice moves. I can't pay someone to take this fucking thing off my hands. <laughs> and I'm going, hold on a second. It's Creative Live. It's Chase Jarvis. I'm blasting it out. What's going on? And I swear there's an algorithm where on Facebook, if you put a link in there and no, you're no. not verified— no, there is actually. Yeah, no, I know. Promote like, promoting things like like get a free like there are huge words that get way because they don't want oh, your yeah. feed to be spammy. Yeah. So sure. I would literally put this out there and go, okay, it's thoughtful, it's uh it's incentivized, people know who this guy is. Two likes. I'm going, Whoa, <laughs> what is going on? I make a funny post about like my kids or, or something dumb, like I left the house with my fly open for nine hours. That gets sixty likes, and I'm going oh. go. Well, you yeah. just put the uh, Creative Live gift card in your open fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I sit there and I'm thinking to myself, and like you said, is is it a point where I'm at this point where I'm thinking two months into this thing, and I'm sitting here talking with this guy, and it's definitely an early on highlight of of what we're able to do and who we're able to talk to, and no one gave a shit, and I'm sitting there. <laughs> thinking either they give a shit and don't want to say it you know and maybe maybe they're a little right maybe a little bitter like we talked about where you're sitting there comparing yourself and i thought it was crazy (laughs) i'm telling people hey i'm gonna sit with chase jarvis who wants to who wants to ask any questions crickets (laughs) this guy's so tired i'm (laughs) over this dude (laughs) all right but listen last but not least uh who's someone that you would like to hear us talk to on the show and i you know feel free to name drop like a boss i'm totally fine with that we're taking big swings full disclosure gary v and tim ferris are next on our list of people we could you know try and really get on um and uh you know yeah Mm, i'll try and think of someone that maybe you wouldn't think of because you know um hmm that is a tough question (laughs) I love how this is the one that stumped him. Not all the other ones. There's only six billion fucking people in the world. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I'm I'm going through one. I'm starting at A. He's he's going through his mental Rolodex. (laughs) No, and I'm trying to actually think of someone that I think would be uh, outside 
the normal uh, yeah, selection. Like the normal mm-hmm. selection. Um, oh man, dude, are you like you like this is this is how we're going out? <laughs> I mean, I always just ask because sure. it's uh, it's interesting. Depending on who it is, some people can give like similar uh, guests, and then some people can literally come out of left field and go. How about this, like psychologist doing this crazy thing? I'm like, sure. whoa, you know? Right, here, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna name one, and I think it's a, it's unlikely, mm-hmm. but b, uh, the name drop, I think, is the the goal would be to look at the name for what it is, and that would be Mark Marin. So Mark yeah, Marin yeah. has a podcast called WTF, and because you're so passionate about podcasting, mm-hmm. I think you should try and have one of the best podcasters in the world. The guy who's always in the top 10. Um, he's on episode, I think, like 900 or something yeah. like that. People who don't know, he just had POTUS come to yeah, his garage in California. literally had yeah the president of the United States on his podcast. And so to turn the tables on someone like Mark Martin, yeah. um, I think would be really interesting for you. It would, help, it would be sort of a growth thing um, emotionally. But it would be huge for the podcast, but really like – the guy has this unfamiliar yet familiar, like he's this sort of offbeat guy yeah. and he just does an amazing job of both sort of inciting his guests and, and making them feel comfortable. And they talks, he talks about random personal shit. You know, you talked right. about like oversharing and right. he just does a really good job. So there's some parallels there that I think would be worth investigating. Cool. All right. You said, is it great if I'm wrong? The way you said that seemed like that was one of two. Right? Am I am I alone in that? No. Yeah, you're alone. Okay. Cool. All right, just yeah. making sure. The crowd is saying, yeah. nodding yes. You're alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Chase. Thank you. Course, uh, it's been it's been a pleasure. I can, without a doubt, say that we've got enough for two segments. You know, there you go. so uh, you know, hopefully, you um, you know had had a good time and enjoyed. And my big thing through doing this was one of the biggest things was to ask different types of questions yeah. that maybe you don't get every day because you get interviewed pretty regularly, huh? Yeah, I, I, um, I think it's important to get outside of the photo industry when possible. And so I haven't really been talking about a lot of this stuff inside the photo industry. These have been sort of external questions. Um, and so I appreciate you asking them. And uh, again, I hope that um, I wish you a ton of continued success with this. Thank you. And whether it's five listeners or five million that you keep doing the work because it there's got to be joy in the work. Um, yeah, for sure. And then if you are listening to this, you should reach out to Jose and tell him, like, let him know that you're listening because that's what helps get him up in the morning. That's what helps all of us. You know, if there's an artist in your life, do a great thing right now, send him a text and say you love their work. Yeah. Um, and so I'm about to send you a text. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be awkward because we're sitting right next to each other. Yeah. And I have to use the men's room real quick because we've been going for two hours now and I have, I've had one two, three beverages through the course of this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Too All much right. information. Sorry about it. No, hey, no worries, man. Bladders are pretty common. We are angry. Well, you're an angry millennial, <laughs> and I'm a guy who has to go whiz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Chase. Right on. Have a good one. You too.